If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Feliz Navidad, you freaks. <laughs> oh, hi. It's our Christmas episode, and uh, when you think of Christmas, what do you think of? You think of joy, you think of peace, you think of goodwill. I still think about toys. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah, because I'm self-centered that way. <laughs> um, the idea of uh being a kid at Christmas and looking forward to opening presents and maybe getting the exact perfect toy that you you were hoping for. Uh, and then maybe, you know, you get a haunted doll. Unfortunately, that's happened to a few of us. Please enjoy this collection that we've compiled of creepy dolls and haunted toys. There is an island located in the channels of Xochimilco. Xochimilco. South of the center of Mexico City, Xochimilco. It's a man-made island, and that's on the Laguna de something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Tushulo? I'm going to say Tushulo. Okay, so Chinampa is a type of uh, Mesoamerican agriculture which used small rectangular areas of plowable land to grow crops on the shallow lake beds in the Valley of Mexico. They would build a sort of underwater fence on stakes and pile soil onto it. Um, they're sometimes called floating islands because that's kind of like what they look like. And there are hundreds of them. They were great because the uh, the beds, the 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 bottom of the, the water uh, is chock full of minerals and very good for growing things. But of course, you can't grow in water. I mean, you know, so so they'd build these square l plots of island land where they could grow stuff uh, on top of the water. And the nutrients from the uh, from the lake bed would filter up. Correct. Through? OK. Yes. That's ingenious. It really is. And it's been going on for millennia. One of these islands, though, is home to hundreds of dolls. What? Wait, what? This particular island is called Isla de Muñecas, the island of the dolls, as it is home to hundreds of dolls. Is this like like the island of misfit toys? Something but, like that. But more horrific? Uh-huh. Oh, my God. So, okay, go ahead. Tell me. I, doll I, I, limbs. Oh, okay. Doll heads. Why? And dolls are attached to and hang from the trees covering the island. How big is this island? I, I don't know. I mean, but it's it's big enough to walk around on. Yes, there are a couple of buildings on the island. Okay. But All yes, right. there are entire dolls. There are bits of dolls <laughs> um, attached to the trees with wires hanging from the trees. Uh, there are a couple of buildings that are just filled with the dolls. The broken and deteriorated dolls of various styles and colors are found throughout the island, most of them weather-worn, so years of rain Man. and mold and bugs. And so they're all, they're not looking fresh out the box. And Poor Kay. Yeah, no, good question. They were originally placed 
around the island by the former owner of the island, Julian Santana Barrera. He was the lone inhabitant of this island, and according to the legend, one day, while walking along the canal, he found the body of a girl floating in the water. Legend has it that the young woman drowned and tangled among the lilies. Locals say that he was just broken up about not being able to have saved her. Mm. Not long after, the story goes that Barrera came across another discovery in the same part of the canal. He found a doll in the canal, and he thought that that must have belonged to the dead girl. He believed that the doll contained the drowned child's spirit, and in her honor, he hung it from a tree where it could supposedly live forever. Wow, he spent a lot of time on that island by himself, didn't he? Well, Don Gilliam was always a superstitious man. Okay. And that was part of the reason that he'd moved to the woods to live alone. Uh, But he began to have unexplainable experiences. Hearing little girls laughing, the pitter-pat of little feet in his cabin. No. Terrified, he started offering dolls to please the spirit of the girl, though... Some articles said that it was to frighten the spirit instead, but um, most of what I read said that locals agreed that he was offering it to her to appease her. Right, it was a peace offering. Right, not not to frighten her away. So dolls that he found floating in the canals or that he found in the garbage or pieces of dolls that he found out and about, he would seek out dolls. Uh, whenever he went into uh, the nearby towns to offer to the island. And those close to him say that he became obsessed with finding dolls and doll parts that um, oh my God. that the island had some sort of power over him that he needed to do this. Wow. Local legend also says that the dolls move their heads no. and arms. Shut up. And even open and close their eyes. That's the most terrifying thing I've ever heard. Some locals believe that the dolls themselves have removed their own heads and limbs. And that's why there are so many parts and so few full dolls. Wow. Now, he lived on the island. Correct. Okay. Holy crap. By himself. How long ago was this that that he started his, shall we call it, doll collection? It was in the 50s that uh, he found the girl and this whole situation started. Some witnesses who come to the island claim they've heard the dolls whispering to each other, while others who were on a boat near the island said the dolls lured them to come to the island, that there was some sort of force telling them to come and see them. Like a siren song. Like a siren song. Now I want to watch Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? (laughs) Yeah, kind of a different visual, though, for sure. little baby. Right. Those were beautiful women um, with, like, all their body parts. Right, yeah, not decapitated and dismembered dolls (laughs) who have come to life in the light of the moon. The island of the dolls is an hour and a half away from Embarcadero Cuemanco. And the only way to get there is by boat. Most rowers are willing to transport people to the island, but there are those who refuse to because of superstition. And superstition is what led Julian, Don Julian, he had nine nine names. Um, Superstition is what led him to live there in the first place. He, I guess, was just kind of a regular guy in the 50s who had, like, um, vegetables that he grew and then would sell in town. Okay. And then he'd go to the local uh, bar on his way home from work and have a few drinks. But then he started to become very superstitious and very religious and started preaching the Bible around town. And people kind of got sick of him. <laughs> and he ended up moving to this island to... Uh-huh. To live alone. So superstition plays a big part in this whole thing. I mean, he may have already had some stuff going on. Um, and then there was this dead girl and all these dolls. And I'm sure it didn't improve his mental health. No, no. <laughs> as he stayed there by himself. <laughs> Out on an island alone mm-hmm. with doll parts. For 50 years. The island is now uninhabited because in 2001, Barrera was found dead reportedly 
floating in the exact no. same spot. Did he in have the canal. little tiny stab wounds on him? No. <laughs> <laughs> but it was where he had uh, he had found that girl so many years earlier. And some believe that his spirit is now amongst all the other spirits inhabiting the dolls on the island. So this is kind of a voodoo-y kind of thing, isn't it? It is a little bit, yeah, yeah. Um, there are those who offer uh, tours. The journey of approximately an hour takes a tour of the ecological area. Um, so that it's not like just a tour of Doll Island. They, they're taking you on an eco-tour, and that's just part of it. Sure. Um, so you go to a small museum, some nearby islands, and then, oh, yes, this nightmare. Yeah, well, see, that's it. Because I think a lot of people would feel self-conscious about wanting to go see an island Creepy full Doll of, Island? Yeah, yeah. A, a, an island full of murderous dolls. Mm. And so they position like, yeah, we're going to go look at all this neat nature stuff. And then doll heads. There are a lot of really neat animals that live nearby, though. And I'm sure it would be fascinating. I'm sure it will be fascinating. When we go, because that's going on our list. You know it is. You know it is. That's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, that's the uh, island of the dolls. So. Thanks, Gabby. He he lived on this island collecting doll parts for 50 years. 50 years. Before he died. Yep. Good God. God in heaven. Yeah. Doll, why are dolls so creepy? Mm, I don't know. You know, I mean, you, you see horror movies and they often use that imagery to evoke horror. Right. Like an old antique doll head in the attic that somebody mistakenly stumbles across and the eyes open and that just freaks us. It's like ventriloquist dummies. Those are scary too. Did I, did I ever tell you the story about when I interviewed Richard Simmons, exercise guru Richard Simmons? No. And his doll story? No. Please tell me. By the way, Richard Simmons was the best interview I have ever had in my life. I interviewed him a couple of times. And he is just a treat. He seems like he would be. Richard Simmons grew up in Louisiana. When he was younger, everybody called him Dickie. And uh, he would go around the neighborhood and he would find all the little girls' Barbie dolls. Because he loved, and he would pull the heads off them because he loved the sound that it made when when he would pull the Barbie doll's head off the body, that little... Yeah. He loved that sound. I totally get that. He became obsessed with that sound, but then he didn't know what to do with the head. Sure. So he would bring them home and put them in his dresser drawer. And he said one day his mother was, uh, was cleaning out his room and she's like, Dickie, what is this? And he comes in and she pulls open the drawer and there are hundreds of Barbie doll heads in the drawer. <laughs> How do you explain that to your I mom? I love it. And I love that. I mean, I, I totally get that because, you know, I'm a big fan of ASMR and mm-hmm. there are certain mm-hmm. sounds that just please me to no end. And um, I also have made a necklace at one point in my life out of Barbie doll heads. So really? I <laughs> I appreciate Recent, all the parts of this story. <laughs> Thank you, Richard Simmons, and your sweet stripy tank top. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? 
I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids and they live about 3,000 miles away and my daughter is expecting a child and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. Yeah, so I'm trying to get my holiday shopping done, and that made me think about, remember that toy drive we were involved in? Uh, about Well, we're still involved in it. About 10 years ago, there was uh, a one one gift that was donated, and it was a little baby doll that, even though it was wrapped, it started talking yes. inside the wrapping. That was the year that I made the mistake of volunteering to wrap all of the gifts for like, I think, seven hours. <laughs> it was a bad time. It was, it was a time where we didn't see much of each other. Uh, but this doll, I swear it said, Islam is the light. You remember? Uh-huh. And, and I remember just, people saying that. Well, but. it would just go off by itself. You'd be walking down the hall and inside a pile of wrapped packages, you'd hear Islam is the light. And and I remember there being a debate about whether or not that was being said right. or whether or not it even happened. As the years went by, people started referring to it as, as an urban legend. But it really did happen. And I looked it up online and, and we're not the only people to experience it. I actually found a clip of it. Listen. Sounds like Islam is the light to me, but even the Internet is calling it uh, an urban legend. Yeah. It's because it, it is. It's not an urban legend. It's, it's like the time that our coworker insisted that uh, the line in uh, You're the One That I Want from the Grease soundtrack was John Travolta. <laughs> well, that's just a misheard lyric. That's not an urban legend. There is a difference. Well, I I would consider that a misheard lyric. Okay. It's I, just ta- a baby doll lyric. Okay. All right. But in turn, that reminded me of a friend who uh, who had little kids with. Uh, remember those Furbies? Yeah. And one night, the spies. Furby, yeah, they were spies, like Alexa is. Oops, sorry, I activated your Alexa again, didn't I? <laughs> uh, all right, Rabbit Trail. Uh, the last episode, we weaved into our dialogue Alexa ordering butt plugs and things like that, mm-hmm. and we got several uh, comments and emails from people saying that's not funny. <laughs> 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 One lady said that she kept her she keeps her echo on the nightstand. And even though some of the other people said that uh, they were crying with laughter, uh, she said she was not doing that. She was too busy uh, canceling all the orders for the butt plugs. We didn't say to order butt plugs. We said add them to the shopping list. Right. We didn't. We would never order butt plugs. Alexa, order. Don't. Oh, okay. All right. So Furby wakes up in the middle of the night and starts jibber jabbering and scares the crap out of these two little girls. Mm -hmm. The parents come into the room and they can't get it, can't get the Furby to stop talking. And so they take the batteries out of it and it still continues to talk for a while. (laughs) Haunted toy. And so that's what we're going to talk about today because it is the holiday season. I'm sure that a lot of people are buying toys for, for the little ones or for themselves. Sure. These are uh, experiences from Redditors of toys that scared the living crap out of them. 
I sure hope that uh, Teddy Ruxpin running out of batteries is on that list. <laughs> Probably is. that's terrifying. <laughs> Let's read a story. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. Ice Phoenix 18 wrote, I had a little plush bunny from Easter that played music when you squeezed its tummy. I kept it in a drawer in my closed closet. One morning at 5 a.m., I woke up to something landing on my stomach. It was the bunny playing the music incredibly slowly. What? <laughs> I got up and threw it in the hallway because it scared me so much. When uh, my mom came to wake me up, I asked her if the bunny was still there, and she said, no, there was no bunny in the hallway, and it wasn't in the dresser. It had disappeared. What? <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> and what is it about... Uh, music from those little animated toys that when it's playing slow like a music box winding down it just such a, a creepy atmosphere it creates twat waffle 83 writes <laughs> that's magical you know those cheapy plastic dolls that you can get at craft stores that you can knit or crochet elaborate dresses for sure they were popular with uh, old ladies uh, she says, my mom received one of these dolls with a purple and white dress from an elderly neighbor lady not long before the lady passed away. My mom had a blue armchair in her bedroom and she kept the doll on it. The doll would just sit on it. She would always keep the door open. Every time I would pass the room, the doll would turn its head and look at me. My nephew, who is not much younger than me, experienced the same thing. I had nightmares about that doll. Eventually, my mom gave it away, and I was beyond relieved. I would imagine. Nyong Tori writes, When I was younger, about 10 or 12 years old, I remember my mom had two Minnie and Mickey Mouse toys. They were about as tall as a five-year-old child and really old. A friend of my grandmother gave them to my mom, and she gave them to me. I used to play with them and sleep with them, but after a while, I started noticing some weird stuff happening with the toys. One day, I left Mickey on my bed with Minnie in the living room, so I went to the kitchen because my mom was talking to me. When I came back, Mickey was close to the door of the bedroom, like he was trying to get out, and it happened over and over and over again in different parts of the house. The toys kept moving from one part of the house to another. I always asked mom if she was moving them, and she said no. So, yeah. Now, it, I, I feel very differently about this depending on how and when they're moving. So he said that the... Minnie doll was in the living room and the Mickey doll was in the bedroom, right? Yeah. So was Mickey trying to get to Minnie? Were they always intending to be together? That's sweet and demonic. That, but that if is. it's um, if it's just moving around for funsies, that's just terrifying. Yeah. No, I think probably Mickey was trying to sneak out for some sexy time. Ew. Zansky writes, when I was a little kid, I used to sleep with a bed full of soft toys. I had my large bears and Noah, which was the awesome polar bear that has never left my side since I got him. I fell asleep after a few hours, but something woke me up after my mom had gone to bed. It was about one or two o'clock in the morning. I could hear something. I stayed very still and I listened. Then I felt it. One of my soft toys climbed over me and slid down the side of my bed and onto the floor with a thud. I tried to catch it moving. It was just standing next to my bed. It was a floppy bear, and it, it couldn't stand on its own. I grabbed it and asked it what the hell it was doing. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't say anything or move. I dumped it back on my bed and fell asleep. After a while, I made sure all the dolls and soft toys apart from Noah left my room after that. I've tried to rationalize it since then. I was pretty young, and it happened when it happened, I was under 10, but... I remember it so clearly. I wasn't dreaming. I know I wasn't dreaming. Good God in heaven. I love the idea of, uh, like, interrogating a plush toy. Yeah. What the hell are you doing? It's bedtime. Go back to sleep. <laughs> Alira1228 writes, When I was seven or eight years old, my dad gave me a Madame Alexander doll, which started my love for beautiful porcelain dolls. Uh-oh. Mm. Porcelain dolls. Mm -mm. My mom's boyfriend learned this and got me a, quote, cheap porcelain doll for Christmas. It had one of those wind-up things on the back, and, would, and it played Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. What? 
<laughs> That's insane. I just can't imagine Slash and Axel licensing Sweet Child of Mine to a porcelain doll company. But... I'm guessing it was ripped off. <laughs> yeah, probably. She said, I liked it at first until the middle of the night. It would start playing by itself. It moved to the very back of my closet after that, and then I left it there, where I took my sister's room when she moved out. My brother, who inherited the old room, said he found the doll because he would hear it play in the middle of the night. Sweet child of mine. I think I've told you my my porcelain doll story, Um, the, the clown doll. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's terrifying. Yeah, my uh, my dad bought me porcelain dolls um, until eventually I had to say, Dad, I don't like porcelain dolls. Um, but and that was a tough conversation because I knew it would hurt his feelings. But let's not get into that. <laughs> the point was we uh, we watched it the miniseries when it was on TV originally. And uh, my stepmother, of course, was like, don't let her watch that. She's too young. And my dad was like, ah, she's fine. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And then uh, (laughs) so I watched it and I was immediately uh, enmeshed emotionally with Tim Curry. Again, not the point. But then (laughs) I went to bed and one of the porcelain dolls that my dad had purchased for me was a clown doll. Oh, no. And it was on one of those stands, so it did stand up, but the stand was bent, so it leaned over ever so slightly, and it was leaning over my bed. So the shelves were over my bed, and the dolls kind of leaning over. So when I woke up and I saw the clown leaning over me as I slept... (laughs) um, Yeah, I kind of had one of those weird nightmare things where it turned into real life and you weren't sure what was real and what wasn't. So I went into my parents' room to uh, rouse them as I was afraid. Sure. And uh, my dad was just impossible to wake up notoriously. That just wasn't going to happen. So I went over to my stepmother's side of the bed and it made me nervous to wake her up in the middle of the night. So I I tapped on her shoulder ever so delicately um, and then uh, whispered her name, which is Donalene. So uh, light tapping and Donalene. (laughs) Donalene. Um, To which she woke up screaming, Uh. threw her arms out at me and grabbed a hold of me. I was terrified. So I leapt into the air, uh, peed myself Mm -hmm. and um, then just started screaming. My dad woke up and what the hell is going on? And I'm urinating and she's screaming and my dad's yelling. And (laughs) eventually it all got sorted out. I got put on the couch to watch Crocodile Dundee. Uh, But then, unfortunately, on the tape that my dad had taped several movies onto, as he did, uh, the second movie was A Night in the Life of Jimmy Reardon, which oh, was wow. uh, much too adult-themed for me. You so it was about, it was a dramatic night. So all in one night, a clown made you pee, and you learned about sex. Yeah, it was rough. It was a rough one. I think you did really well, though, Thank because you. I would have peed the moment I had seen the clown staring <laughs> down at me. <laughs> that would have been it. Uh, time to change the linens. <laughs> Good evening, Katrina. Raptor fetus wrote... <laughs> When I was about eight, I was obsessed with robot dogs and cats. But on my ninth birthday... Oh, I love how you say robot. It's because I grew up eight feet from the Canadian border. Robot dogs and cats. But on my ninth birthday, we went to the toy shop and there was a mini robot uh, that had games in its tiny tummy screen. Oh. It could talk to you. You know, really basic stuff. He would do dances and you could plug him into the computer with a USB and give him commands. I thought that was amazing. Anyway, in the middle of the night, my mom was woken up by someone yelling. She came in to check on me and my siblings and then went back to bed. She kept listening for it. Then again, she heard, hello, is anybody there? What? Mom was getting creeped out by now. Sure. She checked on us all again and we were still sleeping and then, hello. Is anybody there? She woke me up and turned on the light. It was freaking us all out. We both looked around for the source of this creepy fuckery. Then we found the robot dancing around under some other toys, wanting to play. I got rid of him soon after, because he would turn himself on and demand attention, that creepy little bastard. <laughs> oh my. Brittany writes, uh, my mother used to have this doll that she kept next to my bed. I'm, I'm seeing a trend here. Most of these are dolls mm. or, or robots. 
<laughs> my mother used to have this doll that she kept next to her bed. I'm sure it used to be cute. Uh, but at the time, it looked like it came from the Island of Dolls. Oh. This doll had one of those strings that you would pull, and it admitted adorable girly giggles and squeals. Except the speaker in it was mildly busted. <clears throat> the sound was slowed down to a terrifying guttural, <laughs> followed by a banshee-esque shriek. Once started, it wouldn't shut up, even after I mo- removed the batteries. Every time you looked at it, it would never be in quite the same place as it was before. It's very Charles Lee Ray. I don't know who this is from. It just says a former Reddit user. I had a toy that was dangerous to my mental health. It was called Amazing Amy. I remember that doll. I do not. I remember the ads for it. It was interactive and it came with a bunch of accessories. It would say things like, Mommy, I want more peas. And you were supposed to take the spoon for the peas that had a little a little sensor in it. And when you touched it to her mouth, she would react. Unfortunately, the sensors in mine didn't work properly. So I would feed it the peas and it would say something like, me no want cookie, me want peas. And then it would get progressively angrier the more you got it wrong. (laughs) When my dad walked in on me crying and slamming my pea spoon into her face (laughs) with all the force my tiny little arms were capable of, he decided I'd had enough. Because I was attached to it for some warped, perverted reason, I just uh, took out the batteries. But it didn't stop working. Oh, my goodness. Hellion23 writes, I had a Sauron figure with voice and light-up eyes. I picked it up in the dark once, and it hissed, I see you, and its eyes flashed red. I dropped it in shock, and it said, You cannot hide. I think that's just how that toy is supposed to work. Sure, but I can see where that would freak me the hell out. Intrigued writes, I have a creepy little doll in my room. It was given to me by my grandmother. As you might imagine, it scared the hell out of me, and I never touched it. The thing has been sitting in exactly the same spot for 13 years. One day, I was getting ready for school. I heard a soft thud behind me. I turned around, and I saw the doll's hat had flown off its head and landed in the middle of the room. I just quietly turned around and finished getting dressed before booking it the hell out. Yeah, just pretend that it didn't happen. Pretend that it didn't happen. Remain calm. Skitter away. Skitter away. When I was young, we lived in a split-level ranch. uh, And for some ungodly reason, I don't know, uh, whoever designed the electrical business in that house um, didn't think about the fact that a child person like myself would not want to have to go all the way downstairs in order to turn the stairs light off. Ah. So I'd have to go all the way down the stairs, turn the light off, and then go back up the stairs in the dark. And that period in time every night when I'd have to do that was the most terrifying time of my life. <laughs> that was when, you know, back of the ankles, you know. Oh, they uh, they're going <sighs> to grab you. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, I can still feel that feeling in my chest, like that, and then it's right be- up the stairs. It's because you watched the uh, miniseries of It at a very early age. You were traumatized. Well, the back of the the back of the foot thing was probably Pet Cemetery, but yeah, oh, okay, whatever. whatever. Terrifying toys are one thing. Outright dangerous toys are another. I was click, <laughs> I fell into a click hole on YouTube and I was watching television ads from the 60s for toys that were coming out. Yeah. There was one where you put this little cap on and it had a rope on it with a weight and you'd swing it around with your head. I'm thinking, oh, sure. Whiplash. Right. Good and God. And that thing's smashing you in the face. Yeah. And there was also a click clacks. They were based on an Australian weapon that was used to trip ostriches. Jeez. <laughs> and you would you just flip them up and down. And they were basically these really heavy plastic balls that would click together and go up and then click on the top and click on the bottom. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and tick, 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 yeah. Like that. Yeah. I'm surprised there weren't more deaths involving click clacks. <laughs> Which, of course, makes me think of that old Saturday Night Live Sketch. Bag of glass. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Hey, kids. Hey, get your bag it's of glass. It's a bag of glass. Get your glass shots. Okay, um, so listen carefully. I'm turning off my lamp. 
I'm dimming the lights. Shall I turn off mine too? Yes. Prepare your pork taint. It is time for a topic that we've both danced around a bit. Oh. And I know that I haven't done it because I am lazy and it took me some time to do all the research I wanted to do. Right. But I know that you haven't done it because you're too afraid. Oh my God, you're not doing Robert the Doll. I'm doing Robert the Doll. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. There's a reason why I have uh, avoided doing Robert the Doll, and I'm sure you'll get into that. Robert Eugene Otto was born into a prominent family in Key West. Everyone called him Gene. His tiny baby person living in this elegant mansion on the corner of Eaton and Simonton Street. At some point... Around 1904, Jean was given a doll. The doll's name was Robert. This doll stood about 40 inches tall, stuffed with wood wool. And Robert was given to Jean as a gift from his grandfather. Robert's one-of-a-kind, handmade by the Steiff Company of Germany around the turn of the century. His unusual size indicates that he may have been fashioned in the image of Eugene. Oh, okay. His grandfather may have commissioned it. Though some locals claim that Robert was actually made by one of the family's servants. There were rumors about the town that the family wasn't very kind to their servants. And there was a particular maid who was employed to look after Jean. The maid was dismissed in 1906, some say for practicing voodoo. Others say that Mrs. Otto was jealous of Jean's fondness for the servant. But before she left, the uh, the word is that she made the doll for Robert. Hmm. The, um, the history of the doll leans toward the fact that he was purchased in Germany by Jean's grandfather. But this is fun anyway. Either way, Jean loved this doll. According to allthatsinteresting.com, what people really remember is what they would probably term as an unhealthy relationship with the doll. This is according to Corey Convertito, curator of the Key West Art and Historical Society. Was this doll anatomically correct? You want to know about his wiener? Well, you said it was an unusual relationship with the doll. I was it wasn't wondering. sexual. Okay. Okay, just unusual doesn't always mean pervy. Don't be gross. That's just where my head goes. Okay, well, I mean, stop it. Anyway, he brought the doll everywhere. He talked to it and about it in first person as if he were not a doll. He referred to him as Robert. He was part of the family. Carried on conversations with him. Carried on conversations with him. Otto was so close to his new friend that his parents would often hear him whispering to Robert, which, you know, seems totally normal. Kids have conversations with their dolls. They have great imaginations. That's right. Though his parents started to think that they heard an unusually deep voice responding back. This is the part where I gave up on doing the story. Well, not well. it's one of the parts that I gave up on doing the story. According to legend, young Otto began to blame mishaps on the doll. While this could have been laughed off as childish storytelling, adults started noticing odd occurrences as well. One night when Jean, who was only 10 years old, awoke to find Robert, the doll, sitting at the end of his bed, staring at him. <laughs> Moments later, his mother was awakened by screams for help and an incredible din from the bedroom. Jean was crying, begging for his mother to rescue him. And when she was finally able to wrench the locked door open, she saw poor Jean curled up in fear on his bed, his room in shambles. Robert the doll just sitting at the foot of the bed. Twiddling his wool-stuffed thumbs. Robert did it, Jean said. Yeah. Of course, Jean's parents thought it was just the child's imagination, but they were concerned. Soon it said that they reported hearing the doll speak and witnessing the doll's expression changing. Oh, that just gives me the full body shivs. Creepy dolls, they disturb me anyway, but I've seen pictures of this doll. What the fuck? Once a plumber who had been hired to make repairs around the auto's home claimed to hear children's laughter though Jean was not at the home at the time. 
when he looked around the room he thought he heard the laughter coming from, he noticed Robert the doll. Later, he heard laughter again. He came back to the room. And Robert had moved from one side of the window to the other. And there were no other kids there. There were no kids there. I knew it. What's more, the plumber swore that objects that had been in Robert's lap were then on the other side of the room, as if he'd thrown them. Gene grew up. He went on to study at the Academy of Fine Arts in Chicago and the Art Students League in New York. Gene then went to Paris, where he met Anne. He and Anne married on May 3rd, 1930. So as... Did, before they got married, did he did he have her sign some sort of a uh, haunted doll disclosure? Like some sort of prenup? Right, that, that she knows. specifically built around... <laughs> she understands that, you know, he has a haunted doll in his house <laughs> named Robert. No. Mm. But as Robert was no longer being carried around by Jean... He took up a permanent position in a chair facing out an upstairs window where he could be seen by passerbys below. I'm sure it delighted all the neighborhood children. People who passed soon avoided walking near the house altogether. Locals swore the doll would disappear and then reappear facing in a different direction or his gaze would follow them as they passed. Nope. Visitors to the home claimed they heard footsteps from upstairs. Eventually, Jean and Anna returned to the Otto family home in Key West, reuniting with Robert. Wait a minute. What kind of footsteps can you hear from a from a doll stuffed with wool? Well, he's, Do you have little shoes? He's like a 40-inch doll. He's a sure. large doll. Okay. But wouldn't he have to stomp around a lot? Because he's stuffed with wool. I mean, he's throwing wool. things. He might as well stomp, I guess. Okay. All right. I'm just thinking that there's not a lot of weight there. Maybe he's just got big clunky shoes on sticks, and he's walking them with his hands. He's resourceful. (laughs) This is according to ghostsandgravestones.com. Anne felt uneasy with Robert in the house, and although she couldn't put her finger on it, she didn't want Robert, let's say, out and about. So she asked Jean to lock the doll up in the attic. Jean conceded, and as one would imagine, Robert the doll was not so happy. (laughs) He was pissed. Soon, visitors again heard footsteps from the attic, the sound of someone pacing back and forth, and devilish giggling. Neighborhood children reporting seeing Robert watching them from the window, mocking them as they went to school. Jean would hear about this. He would go to investigate, knowing that he had locked Robert in the attic. There's no way that he could be sitting in the window of the upstairs bedroom. What kind of mocking would he do? Was it was it verbal? I, I can't I can't be sure exactly what the mocking was. Maybe like, hey, nice Reebok pumps. Hey, your kicks suck. For some reason, your Robert voice sounds like Corky from Guffman. (laughs) Corky and the sperm whale. (laughs) I hate you and your ass faces. So anyway, yeah, no. uh, When Gene went upstairs to his complete shock, opens the door to the bedroom. There sits Robert in his rocking chair by the window. Smoking a camel. Gene once again locked Robert back up in the attic several times, each time discovering him again sitting by the window in that same upstairs bedroom. Nope. I would burn the house down and move. (laughs) Well, Gene and his wife died in the 1970s. There were rumors that Anne had a period of intense mental distress before her death because of this doll. No kidding. A woman named Myrtle Reuter purchased their home and with it, Robert the doll. Again, was there a disclosure? (laughs) Well, what do you write? Uh, the house is purchased as is after formal in There is an old inspection. septic tank in the back. And then there's a haunted doll in your attic. Other than that, it's got good bones. Again, sourceless footsteps and giggling coming from the upstairs bedroom. Reuter and her visitors reported seeing Robert's facial expression change whenever his owner, Gene, was mentioned. Whenever the former owners of the home were mentioned, uh, Robert would get this look on his face that they described as being otherworldly. Well, was he pissed or was he, he happy to He hear? did not like them talking about Gene. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. So he was, the, uh, the theory is he was defending Gene's family. That's right. All right. They also swore he had the ability to move between different rooms of the home without help. 
After 20 years of chaos and creepiness, Reuter donated Robert to Key West's Fort East Martello Museum, where he sits today in a glass box. Uh, He wears a sailor's outfit, which is assumed was once Jean's outfit, because it certainly wasn't what he was sold in. So they think that it was Jean's when he was a little boy, and they dressed Robert I in see. it. I see. Okay. After some digging, officials where Robert resides today deduced that he was actually never intended to be a doll in the first place. Although they did trace his origins to the Stife Company, the same toy company that designed the very first teddy bear, a historian told the museum that he was most likely part of a window display and not supposed to go to a home ever. I I see. All right. Almost immediately after moving into the museum, numerous visitors were lining up to see Robert the doll. Even stranger, letters addressed to Robert began arriving at the museum's mailbox. Yeah, this is the part where I bailed on this story. According to the museum's curator, he probably gets one to three letters every day. These letters, though, aren't typical fan letters. Oftentimes, they're littered with apologies for failing to respect Robert during the visit, begging for him to forgive them. Yeah, what I remember was if they if they took his picture without asking permission, mm. that horrible things happened. That's right. To them, and in this article that I was reading, this I, I rejected this story a year and a half ago <laughs> because I'm reading through the comment section and people are apologizing for reading the article. I'm sorry, Robert. I read this article. I, I wish you the best. You know, I'm like, mm, mm, I'm just going to do something on some Civil War story. <laughs> Many have reported their cameras becoming inoperable when they tried to take a picture of Robert, only to begin working again once they leave the museum. According to local folklore, the doll has caused car accidents, broken bones, job loss, divorce, and a cornucopia of other misfortunes. So we'll let you know what happens, (laughs) Cat. Robert the doll continues to taunt and scare those who come to view him. 534 Eaton Street in Key West, Florida, is now called the Artist House, and today the Victorian home is a haunted B&B, where you can stay. Sans doll, of course, Mm, but the museum's not far away, so you can always choose to tootle on over, visit Robert, and then sleep in his room. Yeah, I'll just stay at the Comfort Inn. But I do want to go to Key West. Absolutely. I want to see Hemingway's place. (laughs) Now, I understand that you had a little bit of a moment with Robert the doll and you opted not to do this story. And so out of respect for you and Robert. Did you write him a letter? I I didn't, but I sent him some mental vibes. I was like, Robert, I'm going to do this story. Uh, I, I want to assure you that it's with the best intentions and that we have nothing but respect for you. Thumbs up all the way. And I made fun of it all the way through. Great. (laughs) Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. It's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. 
Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Do you have something to tell me today? Oh, I certainly do, my love. Oh, good, because that's your job. Get on it. Get down on it. Get down on it. All right, here we go. It's well known that you and I both love the whole Conjuring Universe series of films. This is true. Yeah, we've seen all of them at least once. Uh, they're not just plain fun to watch, but uh, they are they can be pretty scary, particularly the Annabelle series. I know that bothers you, the whole uh, haunted doll idea. I think it bothers you more than it bothers me, but that's fine. You know what bothers me? You don't know what your mom's birthday is. You know what? Eat a dick. <laughs> how about that? Try eating a dick and <laughs> see how that works for you. Annabelle, the original film, came out in 2014, and then... Uh, Annabelle Creation came out. That was the sequel. That was uh, 2017. The most recent Annabelle film came out in 2019 called uh, Annabelle Comes Home. You know, the film series is supposedly based on real life events experienced by, uh, among other people, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yep, right. The movie itself takes some liberties in telling the tale, at least based on what the original story was. Most based on a true story, horror movies do take liberties, yeah. Mm. Um, for those of you who may not have seen any of the Annabelle movies, it's the story of a demonically possessed and, uh, and terrifying porcelain doll that uh, is described as disfigured and immediately menacing. That's, that's what it says in the liner notes. Uh, according to the Warrens, they got the doll from a student nurse back in 1970. There are stories of the doll behaving strangely. Now, the Warrens investigated, ultimately moving the possessed doll to their occult museum. And the museum, by the way, is currently closed. I think because, you know, Ed and Lorraine are dead and it's hard to take tickets. Uh, but that's not the only thing in the museum. There are articles of all sorts of their investigations that are purportedly uh, haunted. Right. Or possessed. Also, you gave me the squeaky chair this time. Yeah, I did. In his book, The Demonologist, written by uh, Gerald Brittle, he breaks down the true story behind the Annabelle myth. And this is how it goes. This is These are facts that have been checked. When the uh, instances uh, are a little hokey, I will point that out. Okay? Uh, okay. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> In the late 1960s, there were two nursing students. One's name was Laura uh, Clifton, mm -hmm. and the other was Deidre Bernard. They lived together in a small apartment. It was during this time that Laura became engaged to a guy named Cal Randall. Deidre's 24th birthday was quickly coming up, and her mom gave her kind of an unusual gift for a 24-year-old, but it had sentimental meaning to Deidre. It was a Raggedy Ann doll, but uh, not a regular Raggedy Ann doll, one of those giant ones that was about the size of a, of a four-year-old. I know that every woman in her early 20s wants a giant doll hanging out in her house. <laughs> Do you want to come back to my place? There's a weird doll that'll stare at you. Uh-huh. <sighs> Now, this is the first difference in the story. In, in the movie, it's a porcelain doll, and it has a horrifying expression on its face. In uh, the real story, it was a Raggedy Ann doll, and it looked just like a Raggedy Ann doll. didn't okay. have a menacing grimace or anything on her face. Okay, so porcelain dolls do creep me out. Yeah. Um, and that's just because I had a ton of them when I was a kid, and that wasn't my fault either uh, for some <laughs> reason. People around me, like adults, got this idea that I loved porcelain dolls, and I did not. Um, so I had so many of them. And how do you be like, um, hi, people who care about me, stop doing the thing that you think is nice because yeah. it's not. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I had a boss one time, and uh, he uh, hated hunting. All of his friends loved to hunt, and mm -hmm. he hated hunting. And so as a joke, one of his friends bought him a duck decoy. Okay. But it was a pretty nice duck decoy, so he put it in his office, and then people would come in and see it and think he liked duck decoys. Pretty soon he had like 40 of them. <laughs> Uh, it's funny when it happened to him. So anyway, they get this doll and at first everything seemed pretty normal and there was no reason for alarm uh, until a few weeks later. The girls noticed that uh, Annabelle would often be in a different position than what she was left in when they went to class. 
Now, you know, you can easily write that off. Tipped over or maybe, you know, if you had an animal, it knocked it. Who knows? Sometimes the doll, however, would be in a completely different room from where she was left. And oftentimes they would find her in strange places. Uh, They found her in the sink one time. They found her on top of the refrigerator. The girls thought maybe they were pranking each other. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I would assume. Like, it, I would automatically assume that you were messing with me yeah, right. and just lying about it. Right. Well, we had that situation with the elephant statues and you thought I was just fucking with you. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the case. We had these elephant statues on a shelf and Cat uh, would put them in a very specific order. And then later in the day or that night, the elephants would have all moved gradually to the left and you could see kind of a trace in, in like a little bit of dust on the shelf. It was a lot of dust. It was a lot of dust. We don't dust. No, we've never dusted. So I said, no, I'm not doing it. I, I didn't have anything to do with that. And uh, we noticed that it was on hot days <laughs> that the elephants decided to go for a little walk. <laughs> and what it was, was we would put on the air conditioner in the window and it would vibrate in the, well, anyway, there was a scientific reason behind it. That's right. There often is. So they put Annabelle in a very specific position on the bed and they both agreed that that's where the doll was. And they came back after a long day of classes. Allegedly. When they came home, they found Annabelle kneeling in the living room as if in prayer. And as soon as they walked in the room, the doll fell over. So they tried to set the doll back in the kneeling position that they had witnessed mm-hmm. Annabelle in, and they were unable to do it. There, there was no way that they could prop the doll up in that position. There just wasn't any support for it. Uh-huh. It was at this point that they started finding notes. Notes? Notes. Is it a scavenger hunt? Because I love a scavenger hunt. (laughs) This is a demonic scavenger hunt. Now, at first, these notes just appeared. They were like just scribbles and unintelligible. Maybe marks on a piece of paper. Occasionally, they'd find stuff scribbled on a tablecloth. or (laughs) Written in dust. (laughs) Yeah, on the side of the cabinet. Very quickly, though, words began to appear where prior there had just been scribbling. They would find scraps of paper written in pencil with notes like, help us. One message said, help Cal. And of course, Cal was Laura's fiance. And they had no idea what these messages referred to. They, they didn't know anybody who, who would have needed help. And they knew Cal didn't need help. So like you and me right now, they started suspecting Cal was responsible. Sure. Because, you know, among other things, there, there were no pencils in the apartment. They couldn't find any pencils, which is weird for a nursing student. You'd think they'd have pencils. Just a stockpile of pens with drug names on the side. <laughs> yeah, right. Ask your doctor if Cymbalta is right for you. So what they started to do, because they thought maybe Cal was pranking him. Sure. They started setting little booby traps, uh, little things that would tell them if somebody had entered the apartment, like they'd put a piece of invisible scotch tape between the door and the door jam at the mm-hmm. bottom of the door where nobody would notice it. And it, it was never disturbed. There was no evidence that anybody had entered the apartment. Well, not through the door. So soon after this, things started to get worse. One day they came home and they found blood on the doll. Oh. At Christmas, a box of chocolates just mysteriously appeared in their apartment. Again, it appeared as if no one had entered, yet there was a box of chocolates sitting on the kitchen table. So, wait, I'm sorry, the the doll supposedly... Left them a Christmas present. Of, like, went out and got them chocolates or, like, manifested <laughs> chocolates? Um, Did they eat the chocolates? Well, there was no no sign that anybody had entered or left. Plus, I don't think if the doll had left to buy the chocolates that uh, the, the clerk could see her over the counter. Okay, you know, she thieved them. Le- okay, that's possible and probably likely because it's hard to, uh, to get a credit card when you're a haunted doll. Mm. So they decided uh, at this point to call in a psychic or a medium. And to answer your question, I doubt very much they ate the chocolate. Don't know for a fact, but they were nursing students. Who are notorious chocolate Aholics? No, but probably they're <laughs> smart enough to know you don't eat chocolate that probably came from a haunted doll. Oh, I see what you are saying. Okay. 
I thought you were saying, well, they were nursing students, so maybe they ate the chocolate. (laughs) You know, those nursing students. Allegedly. Can't say no. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) So the psychic told them that uh, she was able to discern that years ago, a little girl died on the property that now is the site of the apartment building. The little girl gave her name as Annabelle Higgins. The psychic told them that Annabelle liked the nurses because they were the youngest ones in the building. Everybody else was older. Okay. And she didn't have any young people to play with. And so this was the closest thing that the ghost could find to, uh, you know, have a playmate. So she began playing with them by moving the doll. This is what the psychic says. Right. Annabelle told the medium that she wanted to be loved and that she was lonely and she didn't know where her family was. Through the psychic, Annabelle asked Laura and Deidre if she could inhabit the doll so she could live with them. And they said yes. Oh, wow. (laughs) This is where Ed and Lorraine Warren got involved. They said later that that decision to grant the spirit permission to enter the doll was a big mistake. Yeah, as far as I know, if a... If some sort of spirit asks you anything, the answer should be no. (laughs) Um, Can I come in? Nope. nope. The girls, according to the Warrens, should never have contacted a medium who was not experienced in dealing with malevolent spirits. Did the medium get tricked? Yes. Okay. So Annabelle was lying about being lost and sad and okay. Uh, It actually ended up causing the girls far more harm. Instead of it being a ghost of a playful little girl that inhabited the uh, the doll, they actually had invited a demonic presence into their lives. Well, it's bringing chocolates, so (laughs) how how bad bad can it it be? be? So instead of a cute little Annabelle Higgins girl ghost, they got a demonic entity. According to the Warrens, human ghosts are not able to move objects or to harm those who are living. Oh, is that right? Yeah. (laughs) And uh, this, of course, did not line up with the doll's activities or M.O. And the doll's activities began to increase. And as they increased, they became more threatening and more powerful. Okay. So let's go back to Cal, Laura's boyfriend. Now, he started having lucid nightmares, and the most vivid one he had was one of the doll attacking him. Oh, no. One night, Laura and Cal were alone in the apartment, and they heard noises coming from Deidre's room. No, Did not she those... have a sock on the door handle? <laughs> no, not those kind of noises. Uh, more noises of a demonic type. You so, know what she's into. So Cal went in to check it out, and he saw Annabelle sitting on the bed. But when he turned around, when he turned his back on the doll, something clawed at his chest and it left claw marks seven inches long and it bloodied his shirt. Eh, I don't know. (laughs) The Lawrence at this point called a priest. The priest performed the rites of exorcism, uh, not only on Deidre and Laura and Cal, but the apartment as well. Why he didn't perform them on the doll is beyond me. Mm. But then again, I'm not an exorcist. The Warrens then removed Annabelle and locked her in a glass case at the Occult Museum. For years, Annabelle was the main attraction at the museum while it was open. Ed and Lorraine are now both dead, so where the hell is Annabelle? Mm. Well, Lorraine's daughter and son-in-law now have Annabelle, still in the glass case, sitting in the garage. That demon will never get out of this garage. That's just a great advertisement. This, the demon will never get out of this garage. Thanks to Overhead Door Company. <laughs> OverheadDoor.com. For all your demon trapping needs. <laughs> According to Wikipedia, Texas State University Assistant Professor of Religious Studies, Joseph Laycock, said, <laughs> Most skeptics have dismissed the Warrens Museum as, quote, Full of off-the-shelf Halloween junk, Mm -hmm. dolls and toys and books you can buy at any bookstore. Laycock says that the Annabelle (laughs) legend is is interesting. It's an interesting case study in the relationship between pop culture and paranormal folklore. He speculates that the demonic doll trope became popularized by films like Child's Play. Also based on a true story, quote-unquote, Robert the Doll. Robert the Doll is another example that he gives. There's also a Twilight Zone that was called uh, Living Doll, which came out about five years before the uh, Warrens said that 
that this happened. Okay. I also remember a movie, uh, early 70s, it came out, and it was about a ventriloquist dummy that comes to life. And yeah, I don't, I don't remember at all, but that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> also, Trilogy of Terror, The Little Doll in the Oven. What? I don't remember that one. Yeah, that's the most scary part. Trilogy of Terror, an excellent Karen Black vehicle. I really enjoyed Trilogy of Terror and Circle of Fear. Oh, Circle of Fear. If you ever come across Circle of Fear, it was also called Ghost Story. It was an early 70s TV series that uh, starred Sebastian Cabot, at least in the first part of the season. Watch it. It's it's just good old-fashioned Twilight Zone kind of uh, stuff. So much fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. With an underlying theme in every episode that women are crazy and can't be trusted. There's a ghost. Oh, Karen. Laycock suggests that, quote, The idea of demonically possessed dolls allows the modern demonologists to find supernatural evil in the most banal and domestic of places. Um, okay, maybe. But uh, I'm not taking any chances. I still won't go see Robert the Doll. Forget about that. I'm not going. One of the members of the inner circle of freaks, Josh, told us a story one time um, during the uh, phone calls with the freak family sessions that we had. He went to see Robert the Doll and uh, took pictures and none of the pictures came out. Interesting. Indeed. (laughs) I got my information from Thought Catalog, Wikipedia, and The Hollywood Reporter. Wow. The real story behind Annabelle, or as real as we can get it. (laughs) Oh, good times. Good times indeed. What was your favorite toy growing up? Growing up, um, I I grew up during uh, the days of Whammo toys. So they were responsible for the Frisbee and uh, Super Bowl. You ever hear of that? No. No, they haven't made those for years. But it was compressed rubber. And they marketed it this way. It bounces a mile. And it did, uh, pretty much. I remember on Christmas Day getting it. And, and, I, and I was so excited. And I went outside. And I I bounced it on the driveway. And it went across the street and under the neighbor's trailer. And I never saw it again. Oh, that's sad. Was it a haunted Super Bowl? It sounds like it was a haunted Super Bowl. Yeah, maybe it was. Not a haunted doll, but a haunted ball. Yeah, that rhymes, so it was fun to say, huh? Yeah, I Good love... Good job, sweetie. I love rhyming. <laughs> Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> Have a great holiday week, everybody. We'll see you in a couple of days. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. 